Thank you. You may be seated. If you're following along, I'll be reading out of Genesis 3, 9 through 18. Genesis 3, 9 through 18. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. And in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground, from out of it you are taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Turn with me to number 83, or it'll be on the screen. O come, O come, Emmanuel. We'll sing verse 1 and 3. Come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. And the third. O come, thou rod of Jesse, free, until Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory o'er the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. I'll be reading from Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, and 13 through 18. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham, 
and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Verse 13 says, Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Be number 84 in your hymnals. We'll have to be careful of that or it'll be on the screen. Isaiah 9, 2-7 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, 
you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Please sing with me, O little town of Bethlehem. Oh, for Christ is born of Mary and gathered from above. Oh, mortal sleep angels keep their watch of wandering love. Oh, morning stars together proclaim the holy birth and praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Um, we'll turn next to Isaiah 11, 1 through 12. This is what the word of the Lord says. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And the spirit of Yahweh will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of Yahweh. And he will delight in the fear of Yahweh, and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor render a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he will judge the poor, and decide with uprightness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will put the wicked to death. Also righteousness will be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt about his waist. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a young boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. And the nursing baby will play by the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will do no evil nor act corruptly in all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of Yahweh as the waters cover the sea. Then it will be in that day that nations will seek the root of Jesse, who will stand as a standard for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. Then it will be in that day that the Lord will, will again acquire the second time with his hand the remnant of his peoples who will remain from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Ethiopia, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, 
and from the coastland of the sea, and he will lift up a standard for the nations and assemble the banished ones of Israel and will gather the scattered of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The word of the Lord. Please join me with me in singing of joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. I'll be reading Luke 1, 26-38. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. As we transition a little, just a reminder that Jesus was the only one who had a virgin birth. And uh, maybe you've watched uh, some of the other shows or Star Wars, even where um, Darth Vader has, has no, um, just his mother had a baby and they don't know there was no father. It was only Jesus Christ through the Bible that uh, one who was born of a virgin. I uh, just want to take a moment uh, before we have some announcements. Stand with me if you would. And I know it's a cold season. Maybe you don't want to shake hands or maybe elbow bump or fist bump, but we'd like to just have a mo moment. Turn, if you would, to uh, a neighbor or someone around you. Welcome. We're glad to have you here this morning. So just take a moment to say hello to one another.
right, you may be seated. We're glad to have you here this morning. Thankful for those guests who have stopped by and, and if you have visiting family and hopefully making lots of good memories. Uh, just tonight, um, if you have time, you're welcome to come. We'll have a small, short evening candlelight service um, at 5 o'clock. And uh, it'll just be a time, uh, a short brief service. We'll, bring, we'll sing a few songs. We're also going to have some reading, but we're going to have a little bit more of a, of a female perspective of the, of the birth. Empathy. If you think about empathy, the difference between sympathy and empathy is sympathy is you can kind of have an idea of what someone's feeling. Empathy is being able to put yourself in another's shoes. Maybe you've walked that path. Maybe you've been there before. As we think about the birth of Christ, most men cannot empathize with um, the birth process. It's kind of a miracle. We look at it and you see, I mean, men have trouble changing um, a baby's diaper, let alone being able to empathize with the birth. But women can empathize or understand a little bit more, greater. And so just we'll look at it from that a little bit perspective tonight um, for that um, that time tonight and have some readings and a short devotional. Uh, but um, this week, uh, most of our, our Bible studies, uh, they won't begin until after uh, the new year. So they'll begin after the, the new year. And um, just a reminder there of those things. And um, oh, I just want to make a record. Um, Bob, since you're there, I know that um, Bob is one of the deacons. He also helps out uh, a lot with the office thing. So I just want to recognize two people quickly. Um, Bob Doberton, who does a lot behind the scenes when there's something that's needed or called or um, restock, Bob is the one who does it. And then Andrew also as well, who um, cleans the church. He's here a couple days and helping out, getting involved. So just if you come up, just have some gift cards for you. Just would like to recognize you guys for your labor, love, and ministry for here. So thank you so much. And then if you're up here, might as well for the offering as well. So. But thank you for their service uh, ministry-wise as well. So. so, and uh, just uh, if the usher, uh, since you're already here, we'll invite the ushers to come or also can give online as well, gracebaptistscottsdale.com. But uh, we're going to take our offering and continue on with our service. So thankful for that. So, Bob, would you ask the Lord's blessing on the offering this morning? and we thank you for this time of the month of the year when we recognize your birth and your Lord uh, uh, bless this offering as it's taken for thy service and we ask this all in Jesus name Amen
Luke 2, 1-7 says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were, that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Please join with me in singing Heart the Herald, Angels Sing. says now they were in the same country shepherds living out in their fields keeping watch over their flock by night and behold an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid then the angel said to them do not be afraid for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people for there is born to you in this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord and this will be the sign to you you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on peace and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Then they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they had made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Please sing with me, Angels We Have Heard on High, or it will be on the screen. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. from Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 through 11 and afterwards we will sing the first Noel. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king behold wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying where is he who has been born king of the Jews for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. 
So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, so I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced an exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let us sing hymn number 91, the first Noel. The first Noel did angels did say was to certain poor shepherds in that they lay in fields they lay he keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep Noel 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 born is the king of Israel
from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. God's Word says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only gotten, begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We'll now sing hymn number 101, Thou Didst Leave the Throne. Thou leave the throne in the kingly crown when thy is to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home there was no room for the nativity. Come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in the heart for thee. Hey, miss the Lord, through the living word, thou shouldst Mocking scorn and the crown of thorn, they bore thee to Calvary. Come to my heart, Lord Jesus, thy cross is my only plea. Thank you going to take a short break um, just from the singing. I know that it's been a lot of singing, but hopefully it's been a blessing to you as we go through Scripture. Turn, if you would, to uh, 1 Timothy. We're going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And you might think it strange as being a text for a Christmas story, but I'll explain in just a moment. If you notice as we sung through those Christmas hymns, those Christmas carols, one thing is that they're all high. So it's, uh, we, we aren't used to singing that high. I know myself, uh, sing more uh, lower baritone or bass, and to sing that high is difficult for us. We're all like, oh, I can't even reach those notes. So thank you, Diane, for lowering that. But also understanding as it goes through the Christmas, as we sing through the verses, many of those verses we think, oh, I, d- I didn't know that was a verse. The second Adam or the cross, what does that have to do with Christmas? See, the coming of Christ 
to earth. We call it the incarnation, God made flesh, as, as um, read in John 1, the word made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus didn't come simply just to be a baby. As we think about Christmas traditions, as we think about uh, when your first earliest memories of Christmas, waking up and maybe thinking about presents and the time with family. A lot of people have memories and they're powerful because they're repeated over. But in the Old Testament, even in the first century, they didn't celebrate the birth of Christ. This is more of a Western, as we think about English tradition and as it began historically. Uh, Jesus wasn't born December 25th, just in case you didn't know. Most of you, us know that. Probably born more in the spring, you know, as the shepherds were out. But to understand that time, Jesus' birth was historical. It was an event that did occur. And as we think about the birth of Christ, the significance of it for the nation of Israel, they were looking for the Messiah, the one who had established the kingdom, the one who had come, delivered them. And they had seen the prophecies. Even back at the first reading in Genesis 3, as we, as we look at, that Jesus would come and he would be the one to crush the serpent. And while we might think that's confusing, the head, the heel, the strike at the heel, now does that mean because of Genesis that all women are afraid of snakes? No, some women aren't afraid of snakes. I've seen men, grown men, you know, afraid of spiders. So it's not just, just snakes and spiders. But there is a understanding because of the sinful nature. There is a response that we have and a guilt that would be passed upon generations to generations. And because of that, we understand that that sin has separated us from God. And because of that chasm, as we, if you are from Arizona, and some of you who are from Arizona haven't been to the Grand Canyon, but those of you who understand the Grand Canyon, there's a big chasm. We cannot jump to the other side. We, cannot, we can look to the other side, but maybe some of you who, who can run and jump pretty far, you can make it 20 feet some of you might make it only three feet, but it doesn't matter. We still can't make it. And that's the divide that separates us from God. God is holy. He is perfect. He is sinless. He is just. And we are all sinful. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what do we do in that condition? Well, before we get to, as we get to First uh, Timothy, we have Paul who's writing. I'm just going to read First Corinthians 15, verses uh, 1 through three, as it says here, first of all, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And then it goes on that he was seen by Cephas and the 12, and the others, 500 witnesses. And Paul's, Paul gives that message, and he says, guess what? Jesus never said, hey, remember my birth. He says, remember my death to the disciples. But we place a great emphasis upon Christmas, the birth of Christ, the traditions, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we cannot remember the birth of Christ as we think about the manger, the crash, without also remembering the death of Christ. Because while each of you were born, you were born in different locations, maybe some of you were born in the U.S., some of you weren't, 
Guess what? You were each born. You came into this world through the same process. None of you magically materialized. Some of you, by being born, probably brought joy. Some of you, others, might be a lot of crying. I'm not saying because you were an ugly baby, but because, because there was pain involved in that process. And so as a baby that is born and difficult as you grew up and lived your life to, the, to where you're at now, God knew that you would be at this point in your life. And as Paul remarks to young Timothy at Ephesus, if you look in chapter 1, he gives a little bit of his background. And he says in verse 12, this is Paul's apostle speaking, he says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer. Blasphemer, one who would say, guess what? Jesus is not the true Lord. A persecutor. He was one who persecuted. He sent those who followed the way Christians to prison. He he was there watching Stephen stoned. An insolent man. And I obtained mercy. Insolent. Just He was one who was ready to fight. He was just totally against anything spiritual, anything Christ-like. And we see that in today's society. There's so many who are against anything that has to do with Christianity, with Christ. You can kind of, it's okay if you talk about God, but if you talk about Jesus Christ, oh, that's just offensive. But here, Jesus Christ, he says, and, but, and we always, as whenever you look at the word but, you know, there's a transition. But I attain mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Merciful. God giving us less than we deserve. And Paul says, guess what? All of a sudden, I did it ignorantly. I didn't know because an unbeliever, someone who does not have a personal relationship with Christ, they're going to sin. They're going to be enemies with God because that's how it is. You know, think about people sometimes, you know, who you don't know. You know, someone cuts you off, you know, in traffic. You're like, oh, that person is rude. Oh, I can't believe that. You know, then you find out it's your friend. Oh, it's okay. I'll forgive you. But man, learn to drive. Where are you from? But to understand what happens is those things done ignorantly. And before, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are, the Bible calls it enmity. I will put enmity in, the, in Genesis. It says it literally means that you're enemies with God because you don't know one another. And that word en- enemy or enmity, its understanding is there's opposition. You're living your life separately from God. And the end will be destruction because you don't know who God is. But if you do know God, then there's a little bit of accountability. Oh, wait a second. God, you know, sometimes people say, oh, the big man's watching or, you know, they use these terms. But Christ, there is a personal relation with Christ. And therefore, I do not serve Christ because I fear what he's going to do to me. But I serve Christ because out of love for what he has done for me. And that love is more powerful than fear. See, fear... If you're a child, you understand what fear is because probably maybe growing up you had a father or mother, you know, when we lived in Peru. You know, Peru didn't have a chancla. And in some countries, you know, if you know what a chancla is, you know, they throw it at you in different countries or they whip you, they beat you with it. Um, In Asia, you know, the look, voice. You know, they could do a look. You know, you know you're in trouble. In America, you grew up, you know, they would have the rod or stick. You know, it depends on where you're from, what they use. Sometimes they didn't use corporal punishment. Back, way back when, corporal punishment was part of raising your children. And 
so there was a, a fearfulness that was, in, that was part of your nature. You know, you knew that you're getting punished. There's consequences for your actions. And here, as, an, as one who is fearful, you know, you're, you're like, oh, no, I mess, did I mess up? But what is free, more freedom, understanding, is to serve out of love. Imagine, you know, now that fear of a parent, but also think about someone who has done something for you, who saved your life. There is gratitude. There is power. There is a, a freedom. And guess what? I'm going to choose to serve and obey and to act in such a way because I show great love. Maybe it's a husband or wife. Maybe it's a child, someone who you care about. Guess what? I don't care what other people think. I'm going to serve out of love because of what has maybe been shown towards you. And you see it even in pictures, in movies. The heroines, sometimes that they understand that there's a greater freedom. But that's a picture of what we see here biblically. And here Paul says, I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceedingly abundant. Let me just stop there. The difference between grace and mercy. Okay, maybe you haven't been to prison. Maybe you have. doesn't matter. But what happens if you understand? I almost went to prison once because back in the, um, boy, I date myself. I'm trying to think of when it was. Back in probably the 90s, uh, I was picking up someone at the airport. And you know the luggage carousel that goes back around in there? Their luggage hadn't come out. And I'm like, okay, where is, where's their luggage? So I decided to get on that carousel and go in the back. I think that's it back there. So I get in the carousel, go in the back. Can you imagine what TSA would do now? You know? Well, anyway, I got back there. I think, oh, that's not it. It looked like their luggage. It was the exact same photo. Maybe it's in this door. So I opened the door. This is in Syracuse, Hancock Airport. And I, and I opened the door. And guess where I'm at? I'm out on the tarmac. I'm like, oh, no, this is bad. So, so I'm trying to unlock the door. Oh, guess what? The door's locked behind me, of course. So now I'm stuck out there, and some of the agent comes over and says, hey, guess what? This You're in trouble. This was before 9-11 and all of the security measures. But they were going to arrest me. Thankfully, the couple who had picked me up um, said, hey, you know, he's just our driver, and um, she was pregnant. We need to get home. They allowed me to get out, and I was able to go home. And, and thankfully, there was no pressing charges, or I didn't have to um, have a, any penalty or felony. But I could have been in prison. There's probably other times I, I could have done it, been there too. But the whole point is, imagine yourself standing before a judge. I knew I was guilty. And there could have been a punishment. And a judge would say, okay, you're guilty. Guess what? To show mercy would be, okay, I'll give you less than you deserve. Maybe there's a fine. Maybe, uh, you know, you, you did something and there's a, a penalty. Prison time or um, a fine. Your fine is $10,000. Wow, that is a steep fine. But guess what? I deserve it because I'm guilty. And so you have to pay it. To show mercy would be giving you less than you deserve. So a judge says, okay, guess what? I'm going to be merciful to you. You only have to pay 5000 Oh, thank you for showing mercy. You know, that's so much better. Now, for God to show grace, he would be giving me what I don't deserve. Say, guess what? You're free to go. Just like I was able to go and that, that agent at that time, you know, allowed me to go and thankfully saw that I wasn't a threat um, at least to them, the airport, but let me go. And a judge that says, guess what? I know you're guilty. You deserve punishment, but guess what? You're, the price has been paid, penalty has been paid. You're free to go. That is grace, undeserved, unmerited. And that's what Paul says here. He understood that. He says, I did it ignorantly in belief, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Faith, believing that God will do what he promised. 
salvific faith, to believe in Jesus Christ is to repent of your sins, but place your faith in an object worthy of your trust. The fact that Jesus Christ did come to earth. He was sinless. He died on the cross, and he rose again. Some people believe it happened, but they aren't trusting him for anything. But when you place your faith and trust in Jesus and believe that he died for your sins personally and that he can give you eternal life, your faith is placed an object worthy of your trust, and he's trustworthy. The problem is that we see so many pictures of untrustworthiness. You know, parents? You know, parents aren't always trustworthy. They're going to let you down. I think about, okay, kids, let's go for ice cream. Oh, something came up. We can't have ice cream. Oh, man, I'm never trusting them again. You know, oh, the tooth fairy. Tooth fairy's going to bring you money. There's no tooth fairy. What? You know, or maybe a friend, trustworthy. Oh, I'll pay you back, you know, next Tuesday. Oh, I didn't do it. Or I'll do this for you. We let one another down. We're... Um, we're not de dependable. We really aren't. Some people are more dependable than others, but we aren't very trustworthy. And so we get gun-shy. What happens is we recognize that people are going to mess up, so I'm not going to trust anyone. They've all let me down. Relationships is terrible. And that's what happens is we become very closed. And then the Bible says Jesus is trustworthy. Well, I don't see a picture of trustworthiness, but you'll see glimpses. Glimpses are when people who respond in a way which is contrary to their nature. Maybe someone who never pays you back, pays you back. Maybe someone who does something that, wow, I can't believe they did that. Especially in believers, for Christians, it helps us to respond in a way which is what I would say unnatural. Did you know that each of us are selfish? We are selfish. Give you an example. Okay, imagine in your household there's only one dessert left or one of the favorite foods. Who gets it? Well, the key is you don't tell anyone else that it's, it's there, right? You just grab it yourself and then there. But we, when we think, when it comes to certain things, we naturally are going to think of ourselves. Now, granted, sometimes women, mothers are going to be more sharing. Oh, you know, give it to your child or give it to someone else. But you're going to be protective. You're going to be selfish about certain things. We're just naturally selfish. That's our nature. To be unselfish is a very Christ-like character. Because even in our unselfishness, there's still some motive involved. Oh, I don't want anything for Christmas. Don't get me anything for Christmas. What? You didn't get me anything for Christmas? What's going on? But to send Jesus Christ, God, coming to earth. And even as we look through the book of Philippians, we'll see even later tonight. But, but here we have Paul, and he says... The grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Okay, he just simply is saying, it's translated in English, it's a little awkward, it just simply means that I'm one of the biggest sinners there is. We're all pretty big sinners. Everything that we do, it's not just the sins that we do that are against God, against everyone else, but guess what? We all do bad things. We fail to follow God's commands. And it says, guess what? God, Jesus Christ came into the world as a babe, to say, and then he grew up to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe in him for eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. 
What a beautiful regal passage. It kind of reminds you of, we don't have a monarchy. We don't know, you know, maybe um, you think about um, Prince Charles or even that Queen Elizabeth, maybe Princess Diana. There is no monarchy in the U.S. So we, the only closest we have to monarchy is checkmate, right? We don't know much about that. We don't bow down. We don't think about hail, hail the king. And so it uses a lot of that language in the Bible and sometimes in in um, the songs we sing. But to recognize here is that this is, God is king and he is sovereign. He is in control. He is the one who's going to direct the, the path. And he sent Jesus Christ. And it says to show all long suffering. Paul, if, he, if God can take Paul, who was so anti-God that all of a sudden turned him around, got a hold of his life, and said, guess what? Now you're going to serve me. You're going to go through a shipwreck. You're going to go through suffering. You're going to go through all this. But he didn't do it just because, oh, now I have to do it, compelled. You ever try to force a child to do something they don't want to? You know, it's like, okay, you always see that scene of the child who's in the grocery store, and they just fall down and go limp, you know, and you're dragging through. Okay, come on, you know, stop that. Some of you were that, so I know. But the whole point is to make somebody do something they don't want to. But now think about a child who wants to do something. It's like, you know, Christmas Eve, okay, you know, or maybe you open your gifts on Christmas Eve. But, you know, guess what? There's anticipation. There's, come on, let's go. What are you waiting for? Hurry up. You're ready. But it's only, you know, so, such and such a time. You know, they're excited. There's an emotional attachment. There's an understanding that, guess what? This is great news. This is anticipation. And as we look at, you know, what is taking place, the service to follow after, to understand Jesus Christ, he died on the cross to forgive our sins. And there is both victory, there is peace, there is joy, not happiness. Happiness is dependent upon your circumstances. Joy is that there is a source of happiness that nothing can take away. And to recognize there is a hope that is a, a sureness that this will be completed. And there is an understanding that if something were to happen to you, you would be in heaven, that you'd be in the presence of God. Sometimes we have this misconception of heaven. Oh, why would I want to go there? You know, what's it going to be like? But ultimately, be in the presence of God. There's life eternal. There is joyfulness. And to know that you will be in the presence of God. And that's a promise. And to look at that. And so serving out of that, sometimes you're going to face difficulty and challenge. But as you think about Christmas... As we think about the gifts, the tree, the traditions, there are many traditions. I know in the past, Christians were like, okay, do we worship, do we, do we have a Christmas tree? You know, or, or all these things that they tried to, to, to adapt to their culture. You know, there's nothing, as we look at some of the traditions, you know, is it, there's nothing blatantly wrong with that. What is wrong sometimes is our motivation to understand that it's not about the gifts. It's not about... Um, the presence, you know, that's hard to hear. Maybe you like getting gifts. I like getting gifts, right? But it's not, if that's your sole focus, then it's wrong. Maybe it's about the traditions you have. But you have to make sure that you understand as you think about what is the purpose of Christmas. These traditions are fine, and each one adapts it. But if you have the traditions and you don't have the understanding that, guess what? Christ is the center of Christmas. We call it Christmas. Christmas, 
And there's significance for that. And Christ should be the center of it. Maybe just taking a prayer or reminding you. You have the opportunity to, to impact your family. Maybe just through a simply prayer. Hey, let's remember Christ. Let's do a little scripture reading. Make it part of the tradition um, as you go through this Christmas season. And remember what he's done for you. Remember what he's still doing and will do in the future. And that's an important part because as we sing you know, Christmas songs, sometimes even churches, other areas, they don't sing about the true message of what the Bible says. These songs that we sing, I want it to be in your mind and thinking about it's not just the baby, baby born. You know, Mary, did you know that you're baby boy? Guess what? You know, Mary, yes, 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 yes. You know, you could answer all those questions, you know, because the angel told her. <laughs> but to understand it is about not only about the birth of Christ, but it's about who Christ would be, the identity of Christ. Christ was born to die, and that's kind of a sad thing. In the Old Testament, you have Hannah, who has the baby Samuel, and, and she wanted a child, and then Samuel's born, and then Samuel has to go and serve in the temple. Wouldn't see the child anymore. Think about that powerful impact. Someone who wants a child so much, and then you have to give the child up. Sometimes we love people, our children, our family, more than we love Christ. So I want you to just focus back on Christmas, thinking about the, the importance of Christ. Christ is a plan and purpose for your life. And we're going to close with this song. Stand with me if you would. We're going to sing. This will be on the screen in Christ alone. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. Let us pray. Help